You never know what you're going to see or hear on radio or television. Yesterday, BBC Northern Ireland had a most fascinating day-long project. I don't know if you came across it at any time during the day. Uh, It was asking people, what does love mean to you? People were asked to, to take photographs or videos of themselves to show what they loved and then uh, post them into the BBC. It might be uh, simply a picture of yourself sitting cradling in your hands a first cup of coffee of the day or a picture of some uh, grandparent perhaps watching a, a child play. Everything that was sent was put together into a 12-hour a uh, picture of the positive aspects of love. So love's been in the air this weekend. Today, of course, is is Father's Day, another day when we think of love. Actually, on Friday, uh, I was reading about a lady with uh, an eight-year-old son, and she decided that she was... uh, she would take him to a greeting card shop, something like Clinton's, to, to buy a Father's Day card. I don't know if the wee boy had ever been uh, let loose in a card shop before, but she took him in front of the section of the many cards that were there for Father's Day. And he was going through, looking, opening, and going through them all, and she was getting fed up. He was taking so long. So she said to him, uh, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for one of the cards with money in it. (laughs) Today, we think with gratitude uh, about our earthly fathers, uh, and we remember to God, the Father of us all. And then, of course, uh, we've our church weekend and its theme, we love because he first loved us. Uh, yesterday, my wife Ruth and I were down there at Castle Wellen, taking part in a section, Lessons for a Life of Love. And what I thought we would uh, do today is just look at one or two of those lessons for a life of love that might challenge us as well. And the first lesson that we need to remember as Christians, of course, is this. It's, it's in the very title of the weekend program. We love because he first loved us. In everyday life, we see people trying to earn love, to earn the love they crave from others. It may be a child doing things to, to try to please his daddy, a, a pupil behaving in such a way as to, give, to gain the teacher's approval or indeed an employee trying to impress his boss. I suppose in one respect, all of us live a bit like that. We all try to to earn love. But the Christian gospel is something different. God is not like that. God's love is not earned like that. We don't pray, we don't read the Bible, we don't come to church, we we don't give to charity, we don't do anything else to encourage God to love us more. God's love is not controlled by our actions towards him. 
When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples in the upper room, he lovingly washed Judas Iscariot's feet, just as he washed the feet of James and John. He loved them equally. Nothing that we do can make God love us more or less. Nothing that we are can make, us love, can make God love us more or less. There's nothing that we can do to bribe God to love us more. When we come to God, we come with those words of the hymn on our lips, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. We are saved by grace, by the unmerited love of God. And we are blessed in our Christian lives by that same unmerited grace and love of God. The blessings we enjoy are not a reward for something we do, but they are the result of the overflowing love of God. God loves us no matter how good or bad we may be at present no matter what a mess we're making of our lives even. He loves us and seeks to redeem us. We love him then, not to get something from him. We love because he first loved us. We need to keep remembering that and thanking God for his love, not just on Father's Day, but on every day of the year. The second lesson for a life of love brings us into conflict with popular culture. In popular culture, love is very much a a sentimental feeling. It's pictured as something positive and pleasurable and something nice and cozy and fluffy. The Bible picture is very different. For us as Christians, love is not primarily a good feeling, but a decision, a decision about our attitude towards others. And it's not always an easy decision. Let me give you an example. I had a very disturbing experience a few Sunday afternoons ago. I was invited to speak at a a village along the county down coast. I arrived at at a hall there. About 60 people were standing, milling about at the back, waiting for things to begin. And I wandered in, of course, and looked around to see where the organizers were. Suddenly, somebody came to my elbow, reached out his hand and said, Hello, Mr. Campbell. Now, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this person. I'll call him Tom. It's not his real name. But he was the last person I was expecting to see because I thought he was in prison. After a few pleasantries, I moved on away from Tom and up to the front to speak to the organizers of the event. You know, and I I was chatting to them, and I was looking down the hall at seeing what was going on, and... I could see the people chatting to one another, and Tom was there standing alone looking towards the front. Nobody was talking to him, and yet many of those people would have known Tom, some since he was uh, a small boy in the church, but nobody was speaking to him. Now, I knew why they weren't speaking, and I didn't blame them for not speaking because I knew what Tom had done. 
Tom had been a successful businessman in a provincial town. He had a nice family, a wife and children, a good job, a lovely home. He belonged to a Methodist church in that town. But what we didn't know at the time, about 30 miles away in another town in Ulster, and unknown to any of us, Tom had a mistress, and he'd installed her in an apartment in that other town. We don't know how long it had been going on or how often he went to see her. And we don't know what happened one night, but Tom murdered his mistress, and then he tried to dispose of the body. I can remember vividly the Saturday morning we, his uncle and I had to go and try to tell his elderly mother that her only child was arrested for murder. Of course, the poor woman couldn't take it. She collapsed. She became confused. In a year or two, she died. And in fact, the last time I'd seen Tom was up at uh, the crematorium at the chapel there at his mother's funeral. He'd been let out of prison. He was serving a life sentence for murder. And here he was now, in front of me again, in this church hall. It was about 15 years later, and he's standing there, and none of his former friends are speaking to him. Now, I felt the same revulsion towards him as many of them were probably feeling. But he'd served his time, he'd paid his price, and here he was coming back, trying perhaps to rebuild his life. Nobody was speaking to him. What was I going to do as a visitor there? Now, I can't say I felt much affection for Tom, but I felt that if you have to love your neighbor, I can't have him standing there in isolation like that. And I went back down the hall before things began in the, in the ceremony and said it was good to see him and asked him where he was living and what he was doing. To, and uh, general pleasantries. And then I had to go to the platform for the brief event that was taking place. And after that, there was tea in another hall. And I determined that Nobody else was willing to speak to him, but I'd go and I'd bring him with me and sit with him and try to bring one or two other people maybe to talk to him as well. But after the closing prayer, and as people began to move to the other hall, I looked around and I couldn't find Tom. I think Tom had realized that it hadn't been a good idea to come back looking for something among people that he'd known before. And he'd quietly disappeared as we'd moved from one hall to the next. What was love in this situation? That was the problem. How do you love in this situation? If I had had a chance, as I'd hoped to have, to talk to Tom, I might have 
suggested that maybe it would have been wiser because feelings were raw there to, to, to try and restart his life in Birmingham or London or somewhere else where people were not so emotionally involved with what had happened earlier on. But I didn't get the chance. See, love is a decision. It's not a feeling. You may feel revulsion in a situation, but to love is to seek to act in a a way that is in accord with the teaching of Christ. The Bible talks about love and shows us Jesus loving the unlovely, the unattractive, the inadequate, the, the undeserving sinners. And, of course, the Bible makes it very clear that we ourselves, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And it's very important, if we want to live a life of love as Christians, that we be careful how we behave, not in such dramatic circumstances as I've just told you, but but in the ordinary events of life, in our our relationships with people here at the church, in, in our neighborhood, where we work, particularly how we react to people who aren't easy to like, maybe who don't like us. We're called to live a life of love towards them. When I saw Tom first that day, I was repulsed because I knew what he had done. But I wanted to show kindness, concern. That's why I went to speak to him. Now, at the end of the afternoon, after he'd run away, disappeared, I was feeling really sorry for him. If I'd had a chance, I would have loved to be able to to give him my address, to get him to phone me, to make a contact. I don't know where he is. He doesn't know where I live. But what I want you to grasp is this. We may show love out of a sense of duty, as I did at the beginning of that afternoon. But when we, in what we believe to be obedience to God, whatever form that obedience should take, as we take that step of obedience, then God gives us grace. He gives us the strength. He gives us the love to relate into that situation. We can find love. We can find the feeling of love growing in our hearts for the unlovely and the unloved. God works in us, enabling us to, as Jesus did, take the difficult way at times, the path of obedience to him, the path of love. We remember that those words in the Sermon on the Mount are words that are meant for all of us. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the pagans do that. And then 1 John 4. If someone says he loves God but hates his brother, he's a liar. 
for he cannot love God whom he has not seen if he does not love his brother whom he has seen. The command that Christ has given us is this, whoever loves God must love his brother also. So the challenge to all of us, those at Castlewell and the us gathered here today is to live a life of love, not just towards the nice people of the world, not just towards the good people of the world, but to all people of the world. And we do it in obedience to Jesus Christ, loving him because he first loved us.